Ah, Paris, France. Home of the finest restaurants and the greatest chefs in the world. All my life, I've wanted to be one of them. You may think that's a strange dream for a rat, but I always believe that with hard work and a little luck, it's only a matter of time before I'm discovered. Do you know what would happen if anyone knew we had rats in our kitchen? Go! Take it away from here, garbage boy! Don't look at me like that! You're the one who was getting fancy with the spices! I need this job. I've lost so many. I don't know how to cook, and now I'm actually talking to a rat as if you... Did you not? You understand me? I can't cook, but you can. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Grace Christian Church. How are we doing today? Awesome. I'm so excited to be up here with you today. Uh, my name is Chris Bearford, and I have the pleasure of serving here as the Youth and Family Minister. So I'm so excited to be up here with you this morning and talk about Ratatouille. Uh, Ratatouille is one of my personal favorite movies. Uh, by show of hands, how many of you rewatch movies that you like? Do you rewatch movies? Okay. Usually, I am not one to rewatch movies, even if I like it. I'm, I'm like, I enjoy it. I enjoyed it once, and it can sit over there. But Ratatouille is one of those movies, one of the very special ones that I can watch over and over and over again and still enjoy it. Between the music and the fun characters and all of the great stuff, I love this movie. And I was talking to Eric, and I was like, it's really cool that we have two back-to-back, action-packed, crazy, like, off-the-wall movies. Isn't that great? Like, but if you don't know anything about this movie, it is a very calm, family-friendly movie. It is a very fun, wholesome movie about a rat named Remy. And as you could see, he went through a little bit of trouble relating to people even though he had such a special gift. Remy had this ability to sniff out awesome, like, good ingredients and was able to not only have those ingredients there, but put them together to make awesome meals. So he had a gift for making amazing meals. Remy is an interesting character because his struggles only come from the fact that he's a rat, So if he was a human, he would probably be one of the greatest chefs in all of Paris, France. But because of who he was, because of his appearance, because of his ratness, you could say, he struggled. I had the opportunity of watching this movie again after a while and seeing that one of the big themes of this movie is not only about cooking and about good food and about all of the fun antics that happen, but that it was really, if you got deep into the movie, about identity. I kept watching it, and I was like, you know, what, what am I going to do? What can I pull from this, uh, from this movie? And there's tons of themes. There's tons of one-off themes about Linguini, about Remy, about all of the people that you can relate to, about uh, cooking and using food as analogies. But when I came to it, I was like, what is the real purpose of this movie? And we saw that Remy, the main character, a rat, such an unassuming creature, would have such an extraordinary impact. So Remy has this awesome gift. And today, I want to talk about the identity that we have in Christ.
I want to talk about how the world tries to change, shape, and make us forget about our, our identity, our innate identity relating to the one true God. How God shapes us and has molded us and has made us known from the very beginning of our creation. God has been there. And our identity is based on something in this one line I got from the now sitting president, Mark Walker of Lee University. He would say this over and over again, not only in his classes, but whenever he got up to preach, he would say this at least once, whether at the beginning or at the end, to relate his points. So I have the pleasure of relating this today, and I'm going to read this. But later on, I want you to hear me. I'm going to repeat this three times. And on the third time, at the end of the sermon, I want you guys to say it with me. Because I think it's so important. But it's this. We can remember who we are based on who he is. So keep an eye out for that. And when we get to it, I'll tell you guys. And we can all say it together. Because I think it's so important. And it's so integral to this message. And how we view it. So... We have this character, Remy. He's a rat, and he can cook. That's the basic spark notes of this movie. Remy gets into some trouble, finding himself separated from his family, and going through all these uh, troubles and struggles with his identity and what he can do and how he can be a chef but also be a rat. The first um, clip that I have shows us a little bit more about Remy's situation. Go ahead and play that clip. Don't give me that look. You were distracting me in front of the press. How am I supposed to oh, contemplate? Sorry, it's not this one. It's the... It's not this one. It's that one. Yep. This is me. I think it's apparent I need to rethink my life a little bit. What's my problem? First of all, I'm a rat. Which means life is hard. And second, I have a highly developed sense of taste and smell. Flour, eggs, sugar, mm, vanilla bean. Oh, small twist of lemon. Oh, you can smell all that? You have a gift. This is Emil, my brother. He's easily impressed. So, you can smell ingredients. So what? This is my dad. He's never impressed. He also happens to be the leader of our clan. So, what's wrong with having highly developed senses? Whoa, 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 don't eat that! What's going on here? Turns out that funny smell was rat poison. Suddenly, dad didn't think my talent was useless. I was feeling pretty good about my gift. Until Dad gave me a job. Clean. Clean. That's right. Cleaner and poison. All right. So we see that Remy has this unique gift and unique talent about him to sniff out awesome ingredients and has a unique sense of smell and taste. So that's how he's able to get this identity as a chef. He ends up uh, going through the beginning part of this movie, creating these nice, cool things out of cheese and fruit and doing all this stuff to figure out an awesome recipe. But throughout all of that, we see in Remy's story that there's a wrench in the plans. His dad, his colony, finds out that his gift can be used for something different. 
that his gift has multiple ways that it can change and adapt and how it can be applied to the world. Remy finds himself in the middle of an identity crisis. He was using his gift for something that he was passionate about. That's something that he was so um, amazed at by himself. He didn't even understand how it could relate to other things. He didn't even think that he could become a chef because of who he was. So his dad and his colony gives him this other job. Poison checker. One of the things that we have in our our society today, one of the things that we see in our life, is there's so many ways that we can use our gifts, the way that God relates to us, the way that God has uniquely put us on this earth. There's so many different ways we can apply those things, so many different ways that our gifting, our being a person in this community can fit into the plan and purpose of God. There's so many ways that you can apply a gift of relating to people. Someone could be a checker at the door and say hi and welcome people in. They could also be a good people person to walk around and talk to people and make them feel welcome and included. They could also be somebody that checks in people, makes sure that they get their name tags and sends them off on their way and guides them and makes it so that they have a good first impression. There's so many ways that those little things can relate to our community. Remy sits in the middle of someone telling him what he must do. And it leads him to have this crisis of identity. As you can see when he was sitting on that stoop there, I don't think he was very happy being a poison checker. Now, don't get me wrong. Being a poison checker is a really important job. Because if he didn't sniff out that rat poison, he was going to eat that little piece of whatever that rotting food was, and he could have died. So I'm not saying that it's not an important job. But if we look at this one verse in Ephesians 1, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, we look at this verse and it says this. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So many times in our life, when we're going about what we should think about doing as a career, how we should apply our gifts, what should we do about this certain thing that I have, this passion for fishing, this passion for hunting, this passion for working in in children's ministry, whatever that passion might be, sometimes we have struggles applying it. And I think that's because the world and how we relate to one another often comes down to how we or others perceive us. Sometimes we get so lost in, what is your gift? What is your talent? What is the thing that you're going to do next? Especially those who are graduating from college or are graduating from high school, you get a lot of those questions. You get a lot of questions of, what's next? What are you going to do? Do you have a job yet? Have you got a house? Where's your wife? All of these things. There's so many questions that come to you all while we're still trying to figure out who we are. We're still trying to figure out, and I'm sure for those of you that are older in this room, you probably are still trying to figure out who you are. That question of who we are is so integral to our life, but sometimes we dumb it down to what can you do? Sometimes it gets put down into what are you doing now? Where are you working? 
How are you living life? And our identity is not based on the things that we can do. Our identity, the core part of our being, how we relate to others and relate to the world and how we relate to God is our adoption. In Ephesians 1.5, it says, predestined for adoption. Our identity is based on our relationship to the one true king, to the one living God, to Christ our Lord. Our identity is based on adoption, not action. We can remember who we are because of whose we are. So Remy goes through this struggle of figuring out what he can do with his gift and how, um, how can he best apply that. And he's getting really sick and tired of being the poison checker. Then trouble strikes. He gets separated from his family during a storm and during some chaos going out when he's trying to look at a cookbook and do all these things. And he gets separated from his family. He ends up making his way into Paris. When he gets into Paris, he makes his way over to one of these head chef's um, restaurants that he's really excited for because he's been looking to the chef for inspiration forever. He's been looking to the chef for inspiration for how he can apply his gift. And through all of that, he ends up um, struggling with this other character. Remy finds himself amidst another character named Linguini. Uh, Linguini is also a dish, but this is also a person. So for this, it's a person. So when I say Linguini, please do not, I know you're probably hungry and want to get out of here and go get food. But this is a person. Linguini is a young chef that has a tie-in to the story and ends up being somebody that can take over this restaurant. But that's a whole nother story. We're focused on Remy. So Linguini comes in. And he is able to be a part of the restaurant. He ends up being a busboy or somebody that cleans the, cleans the kitchen and makes sure that everything is sanitized and washed and everything. So Remy ends up going into, uh, into this relationship with Linguini. They find each other, and as you could see from that clip, Linguini figures out that he can talk. Linguini then, you know, tries to figure out a way to make it so that Remy can be the chef while Linguini can be the person or the image that makes it so that this identity crisis of being a rat isn't what makes up the whole. It masks that with him being a human. Well, as you can probably understand, one guy being led by a rat kind of leads to a little bit of struggle. They end up getting into a little bit of a squabble because... Remy is such a good cook, but he's focused on cooking. He's focused on the cooking aspect and making a name for himself and making this restaurant do well and and has this ability to create this awesome soup that everybody loves. Well, a critic comes in. The critic makes it so that not only is it uh, time to hunker down and really perfect the craft, but it also gets a lot of publicity into this restaurant because you see the restaurant was failing a little bit. So trouble, trouble strikes because Linguini is focused 
on the appearances, the going on to talk shows, the magazines, and things like that, because he's the face of everything. While Remy is focused on cooking. Remy's focused on the craft that he's been placed there for. He's focused on what he's supposed to be focused on. But when the world comes in, Linguini falls short, and they struggle. Let's play that second clip. Don't give me that look. You were distracting me in front of the press. How am I supposed to concentrate with you yanking on my hair all the time? And that's another thing. Your opinion isn't the only one that matters here. Colette knows how to cook too, you know. Wow! All right, that's it. You take a break, little chef. I'm not your puppet. And you're not my puppet controlling guy. Get your mind right, little chef. Ego is coming, and I need to focus. So Remy is focused on trying to cook, while Linguini is focused on how he appears during the press and all of these things. Remy was the one that was doing what he was supposed to. Linguini got caught up in all of these non-essential things. If he wanted to impress, if Linguini wanted to impress the critic, don't you think he should be focusing on food? I think so often we get caught up in the world. And sometimes we don't even notice that we're getting caught up in the world because it's so overbearing. It's so integral into our lives. We are looking for so much in the world. We're looking for a place to stay. We're looking for a home. We're looking for a family to be a part of. We're looking to others to provide community. We're looking for love. We're looking for so much in the world. And that makes it so that when we go out into the world, we're blinded by it. Just like Linguini was blinded by how the world was affecting him and how his newfound fame was getting to him. Things were happening so fast that Linguini got caught up in what didn't actually matter. Linguini gets so caught up in how the world is shaping and forming him. I think so often we also get like that. We also look to media, social media, all kinds of things in our faces as we go out. I'm sure when you leave here today, there's going to be billboards and things trying to catch your attention. And so is the world. So is Satan. He's trying to catch your attention to take your eyes off of what truly matters. Remy struggles with his identity uh, in this because he thought he had a place. He thought he had a home. He was making progress with who he was. But then that all falls short when the world or Linguini starts to mess with it. They start to struggle and they fight. And as you can see, Remy gets kicked out. So now everything that Remy has been working towards, everything that has been building up, kind of falls flat and falls short. Often I think we can go through the same struggle. We can get battered, taken out, really struck down by how the world makes us feel. By how the world, other people's opinions, our self-image, 
how other things begin to pile on our shoulders so that we become weaker and weaker and weaker. And sometimes we really just feel down and out because the world puts so much pressure on who to be, what to do, that we end up falling short. But Jesus gives us this truth in Ephesians 3.19. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I was reading some commentaries and some things, and Ephesians is such a cool book because it's not necessarily just a targeted space to a certain people, but it's about doctrine. It's about unity, and it's about how we are unified together through the love of Christ, through our relationship through him. And when I was reading some of these commentaries, um, a commenter said this, We are unconditionally accepted. Jesus accepts us not for who we are, not for what we do, not for how good we act, but because Jesus loves us. That's it. He loves us because of his grace and his unconditional mercy. We are loved. Loved so much that Jesus would go onto a cross and die for our sins to die for the things that we did wrong when we fall short in that relationship. Jesus loves us so much, so unconditionally, that even when we were sinners, he saved us. When we recognize this, we can remember who we are because of whose we are. So let's play that third clip, and let's see how this thing wraps up. you a poison checker has been a disaster nothing's been poisoned thank god but it hasn't been easy you didn't make it easy i know i am sorry dad well the important thing is that you're home yeah well uh about that you look thin why is that a shortage of food or a surplus of snobbery? <laughs> yeah. It's tough out there in a big world all alone, isn't it? Sure, but it's not like I'm a kid anymore. I can take care of myself. I found a nice spot not far away, so I'll be able to visit often. Nothing like a cold splash of reality to make you visit? I will, I promise. Often. Well, you're not staying? No. It's not a big deal, Dad. I just... You didn't think I was going to stay forever, did you? I mean, eventually a bird's got to leave the nest. We're not birds. We're rats. We don't leave our nests. We make them bigger. Maybe I'm a different kind of rat. Maybe you're not a rat at all. Maybe that's a good thing. Hey, the band's really on tonight, huh? Rats. All we do is take, Dad. I'm tired of taking. I want to make things. I want to add something to this world. You're talking like a human. Who are not as bad as you say. Oh, yeah? What makes you so sure? Oh, man. I've uh, been able to... Observe them at a, a, a close-ish sort of range. Yeah? How close? Close enough. And they're, you know, not so bad as you say they are. Come with me. I got something I want you to see. So towards the end of the movie, one of the biggest struggles that Remy ends up going through is after he was thrown out by Linguini and after the world beat him down, 
he went back to his family. He found his family where they were living. They were thriving in this other little colony that they created. And as the dad said, wasn't easy. When Remy goes back to his family, his family responds with how they would have responded in the beginning. Nothing really changed when Remy went back. And oftentimes when I was looking at this, I saw that when Remy goes back to his family, his family is bringing him back to that original identity, to that original, you are defined by this thing. Now, of course, they want Remy back, not only as a family member, but uh, as a poison checker and back into the original thing we talked about at the beginning. And I was like, what does this mean? There's got to be something here because it stood out so much. And I thought about it like this. Remy struggles in this moment with how his sin, with how his original identity is placed on him. People are trying to drag him back into that original identity. Oftentimes, the way that this relates to us is because we go back to our old sins. We go back to the things that would bring us comfort. Even when we're making so much progress, Remy, even in this place, is like, I'll visit, but I'm not staying here. I'm not staying in this place. The world can often drag us back into those sins, into those things, and bring our identity into those sins. For people that have sinned in the past, maybe it was something the world would consider small. A little white lie here and there. Maybe it's something big. Maybe it's something huge that people still today view you as that one thing. Sometimes the world can make it so that the wrong things that we do in life, the the ways that we sin, the ways that we've messed up, the ways that we've failed, can be our identity. Remy struggles with this because he's still wrestling with the fact that he wants to be joined back with his family. He loves them. But they don't see him as something other than a rat. Other than this thing. And you can replace rat with however others have viewed you in the past. I think so often we can put on this identity of I am this. Or people call me this thing. People see me like this. Because the world sees stuff superficially. But Jesus, when he looks at us, he sees sons He sees daughters. He sees people that are loved and desired by him unconditionally. Jesus loves you so much that he died for you on a cross and wants to have a relationship with you that's not just superficial. That's not just skin deep. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you that goes farther than just coming to church on Sunday. Farther than just picking up your Bible once, maybe Monday or Tuesday. Jesus wants to be so a part of your life that this identity can't be shaken. So the words that I was saying, if we can put, um, if we can put this on screen, Psalms 139, 13 through 14. 
the words that are said in this psalm really encapsulate the identity that Jesus has placed on us. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My soul knows it very well. This is the identity that Jesus wants us to have, that we are known and formed and created by him. Jesus knew us before anyone knew us. Jesus knows everything about you. You're not hiding anything from him. The things that you've done wrong, the ways that you've messed up, the things that you're continuing to say about yourself, the things that you are continuing to make your identity based off how people view you, how the world views you, these labels and names that people put upon you, Jesus doesn't see that. Jesus doesn't see the names. Jesus doesn't see the sins. Jesus doesn't see all of the hurt and the pain and the things you're hiding from everyone in this room. Jesus is not seeing that. Jesus knitted you together. Jesus knows everything about you, and he doesn't see those names or those labels. Jesus sees a son or a daughter. Jesus sees who you are, not based on what you can do, not based on what you provide, not based on how your actions are this week, today, yesterday. He sees you. And that truth has shaken me to my core because so often, do I view myself through the labels that other people give me? But God knows us. When the world remains and reminds us, it remains the same and continues to remind us of these negative things, of these identities and labels and sins that we've had in the past. When it reminds us, when the world reminds us of those things and it tries to convince us that they are who we are. We can remember this. If we can put these words up on the screen, and I'd like us all to read them together, that we can remember. When I say we can remember who we are, I want you guys to say, because of whose we are. Because that truth will take you far. When I heard these words from Mark Walker, it completely changed how I viewed Scripture. And how I viewed my life in present time. Because now I don't have to live as the things that I do or the places that I go. I live as a son. We can remember who we are because of whose we are. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful that you give us a space to come here on Sunday morning. Lord, to be reminded and to be shaped by the identity, not that the world gives us, but through you, through your son, through our relationship with you, Jesus. Lord, you came down from glory to step into this world and showed us that you loved us so much and Lord, when we accept you, you change everything. 
you shake us in our very being, God, because sometimes we forget our identity and we make it things that don't matter. Whether it's being a chef or being a mom, whatever the identity that people place on us or even we ourselves place on us, we can remember that we aren't just those things. We can remember who we are because of who you are. Jesus, thank you for that truth. We are so thankful for who you are and we praise your holy and precious name. Amen. So we do something every Sunday. Um, We, as I like to call it, come to the table. Jesus did something that was so cool. He brought us to a table. And we have these little things that, you know, we call communion and communion cups. And it's a little piece of bread and it's a little bit of juice. The purpose behind this is when Jesus gives us our new identity. He says that you're not just, oh, someone, now you can go with that little identity and you can run around in the world. He adopts us into a family. And when we come together on Sundays and look at this communion, we are reminded of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. We are reminded through this bread and this juice that Jesus gave his life for us. That Jesus, his body was broken and that his blood was spilled so that we could have eternal life, so that we could have relationship with him. So if you guys want to take some time to take out this communion and focus your prayers on that new identity that Jesus has placed on you, and for those of you who haven't accepted Jesus, this is an awesome opportunity. Jesus stepped out and called us, not by the names of the world, not by the identity that's placed on us through the world, but through him and his relationship.